my very best to get this job that I so crave. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Multiplex uh, Fan Zone Debate. Um, your usual host, Tim Bercala, could not be here. Had a work thing come up. Uh, your back backup host for Multiplex has the worst internet in the world. Uh, so you're stuck with me. Uh, I'm subbing in, so it might be a little rough today, but that's fine because all we care about is the debate. So I do have, of course, two judges with me. Uh, first, I have Thomas Scully. Thomas, how are you feeling today? Doing good, doing good. I like uh, I, I like it when two very passionate people come together and just uh, argue about movies. That is pretty much what I experience every day, being friends with some of the people in this community. Yeah, that's one of the things the internet is for, is uh, arguing about movies, and the other one I won't talk about. Uh, Avenue Q knows about it, though. Uh, oh, Andrew, I got that Andrew how are you feeling today? Uh, good. Uh, after a good Avenue Q reference, I'm always in a good mood after that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this one. Um, uh, Brooklyn, I haven't seen debate in a while. Um, it's It's been a little bit, I think. Uh, and then with Tanner, like, kind of new. Uh, haven't seen a lot from him. So New Blood's always interesting to see, especially when going up against someone who's been around a little bit longer. But, uh, yeah, I'm very excited for this one. I agree. So let's go ahead and get started by uh, introducing our competitors. Uh, first up, we have Brooklyn Vale. Brooklyn, welcome back. Uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. I'm excited. Um, I used to get really nervous doing debates, uh, but that was back when like Cody was in like his super duper B streak and like there were some other people. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get back in the fan zone. Um, I think yeah, I think it's it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a good 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 match. Um, I mean, I'm like yeah, similar to Andrew. Um, I have this first time ever like, kind of encountering Tander, so kind of a kind of a wild card, but uh, prepared prepared none the nonetheless. Like he could very well be the next champion. So, well, we're happy to have you back. And uh, Cody is not here to intimidate you as a competitor or as a judge, so you can relax on that level. Uh, and then let's meet his opponent, Tanner Hansen. Hello, Tanner. Um, you're one of the newer guys around here. I uh, this is the first time I'm meeting you. Uh, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, first time, so a little bit nervous. Uh, more nervous about how <laughs> at least one or two of my answers are probably out of left field. But oh, I'm doing good. Uh, trust this me, we've probably fun. heard worse. Whatever you, whatever you pick, <laughs> we've heard worse. All right, <laughs> I'll uh, well, take your word for it. Uh, good luck to both competitors. Uh, just a brief rundown of the rules. Uh, we're going to give you the question. You are each going to have a one-minute uh, opening statement. Then there will be five minutes of free form, and then you each get a one-minute closing statement. Uh, we will give you a 10-second uh, warning at the end of your one-minute segments. Uh, Andrew is like going to be a timekeeper. He'll pop in and let you know when you have 10 seconds left. And during the free form, we will also give you a one-minute warning so you know how much time you have left. Um, are there any questions? Nope. All right, then. Um, I will give you your first question of the day. It's going to be coming from the category of fandom. It was Tanner's choice of James Bond. And the question is, what is the worst... Hold on, Brian. Real quick, before we do that... Yes, we cannot skip the Teddy Club. Tim would be so Mark Wahlberg has to fight a teddy bear. That's the Tim ritual that has to happen before every match. It does. Now the fight is official. Uh, as I said, your first category is going to be in fandom. It is James Bond, as chosen by Tanner. The question is, what is the worst action scene in a Brosnan Bond film? Uh, Tanner, you're going to go first in your opening, and you have one minute as soon as uh, I'm off screen. One minute from whenever you start talking. All right. So I think the worst Pierce Brosnan action scene is definitely the race racing the sun laser from Die Another Day. So basically, he just broke into this compound, found out who the bad guy is, understands their plans. And then, of course, he has to make a big escape, which basically is just running down a hallway, going up a zip line or, or going through a zip line or an escape wire, doing more running and then racing racing the bad guy's sun laser as it's melting the polar ice caps in one of these like super speed cars and then eventually goes over the cliff rips off the back of the back of the car and then uses it to like um basically glide across <laughs> so silly so yeah i it's just a straight line through and through and it's just running 
very boring in my opinion. Time. Okay. Thank you, Tanner. And now we go over to Brooklyn. You have one minute uh, from when you start talking. Um, all right, so I chose the final confrontation uh, in The World Is Not Enough. Uh, this is where Bond and Renard are in the submarine, um, and then it basically turns up, turns like top side up, whatever. Um, Pierce Brosnan as Bond, um, it oozed charisma. He was slick, and he had the had the golden eye, pun intended. Um, it makes no sense to have him and Renard fight in a submarine that is essentially a Playco board. Uh, it's stagnant uh, with performances that blur the definition of trying, but I'll get more into that into my free form. Um, this is uh, this is weirdly paced. Um, there is just some cringy, uh, cringy dialogue, um, and it doesn't fit the overall brand that Bond is known for. And I, I can see all my time. Okay. From here, we're going to go into a five-minute freeform. Um, just try and you know, be respectful. Take, don't try, don't talk over each other. Don't interrupt each other too much. Just uh, if you go in too long, we'll jump in and let you know to let the other person talk. But uh, all right, five minutes from whenever one of you starts talking. Uh, you go first. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, as far as um, the final confrontation and the world is not enough, um, I can understand how it feels kind of kind of off compared to the rest of. James Bond, but the but I think the world is not enough is really good and it's kind of emotional through lines as far as like how serious they are about Renaud and Electra and their whole relationship with Bond and all that. So it's very it's supposed to be a very emotionally charged fight, but I can see how that comes off as awkward when it's mostly just the submarine is lopsided. They're basically fighting on a set of monkey bars <laughs> and it's, yeah, the sub's um, about to blow up. So I can understand that. Uh, yeah. There, there's just like the, these, these emotional arcs that you're talking about are pretty much killed anytime that Denise Richards is on screen. Um, yeah, like it's, it's, it's very much visible that she's looking off on it, looking off on a cue card. It's considered one of the worst acting performances ever. And it's just, it's not what like the, like that then Patel is supposed to be in bond. Which is which? What we what you have in Diet Down Every Day, um, Roseman Pike is, is incredible in this. Uh, but even even aside from that, like that ice that ice thing, whatever that ice boat skate thing, um, that is fucking cool. Like that, like he Bond looks fucking badass riding that. And and yes, I will give you that. Like the sun laser is like kind of crazy. But if you watch Die Another Day, like they're going full on ham and cheese. Like this, like there's very like innuendo based dialogue. Um, it kind of har harkens back to the to the to the Roger Moore era. Um, but one thing that I will say to the judges is that that sun laser fits the James Bond band fits the James Bond brand um, because nothing else really makes sense. Like they're not going to send out, they're not going to send out wolves. They're not going to send out snipers. It's it's the right amount of cheese. I can I can understand your point there. It definitely does fit very well with Bond's brand, especially the Brosnan era where you had Golden Eyes, Golden Eyes, also a satellite weapon. And the world is not enough with the nuclear sub, and you had Die Another Day with the sun laser. But as far as whether or not the the acting is good, when it comes to action scenes, I don't find that quite as important despite my previous point the main problem i have with racing the sun basically is just that it it's just him running or driving or gliding in a in a in a straight line meanwhile in the submarine fight you at least have some sort of action going on as far as an actual fight and bond actually looks like he's down and out because again it's the final confrontation it's really cool you're not sure how it's going to end you know he's going to win but you're not sure how it's going to end meanwhile in the the sun laser race it's just here's the sunbeam it's slowly moving this way <laughs> And then Bond has to whiz across the ice in order to get away from it. And just like, yeah, I don't, I find that. But, the sun, but at least the sun laser serves a purpose. Like you were talking about how there's like, how the acting isn't really important. There's actually like a, there's a scene in years that are kind of, kind of enhances that because when, while he's racing this, um, fucking evil guy's henchman kind of looks over. It's like, oh yeah, he actually beat your time by two seconds. And it's like, it still captures that. Like, God damn it. Like Bond, Bond still bested me. Even in, even in like, even in, in that sense. Um, I can see where you're coming from in the submarine where it's like, he might be down and out, but like 
he's swimming and then you remember, oh yeah, he's in a Bond movie. Like he's not going to die. He's not going to struggle. He's going to get out of it in some way, shape or form. Um, and even that, even that scene is a bit rough because um, whenever the water's coming down, um, you can see him, you can, like he's clearly standing on something, which doesn't make sense for the previous shots because he was like swimming. He was swimming, trying to get his niece's attention when like, if that thing was there, he could have just stood there the whole time. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. As far as like for the submarine fight, I I can understand where you like the little bit of little bit of comedy in the sun laser where he's just like, "Hey boss, he beat your time." But then with the with the submarine fight, it's also kind of you kind of get mixed messages from that final bit where he's like, "He's stuck in this little graded area." But all of the, this little air hose came undone, so he has to plug it in, and then he pushes the button, and it just shoom, shoots the rod back into Renard. And I'm like, it's a very, it's a very silly way for the main villain to go out, but it's funny. So uh, it the way the Bond should be killing any villain is with a pistol. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be with like an air thing or like the MacGuffin, basically what the movie is. Um, but yeah, they're like the villain in that is also as time. Like, all right, so we're going to go into our closing uh, because this is Tanner's. He will close last. So, Brooklyn, you are going to go first with your one-minute closing. Uh, one minute from when you start talking. Um, Renard in The World Is Not Enough already plans on killing himself. Like, this is, like, I think this is meant to be a suicide mission. Um, so uh, my opponent's action scene just doesn't make sense. Like, this would be the one time where you don't necessarily kill the villain. You might bring you might bring him back in. Um my opponent's uh, opponent's action scene um, is admittedly silly, but that is the entire that is the entire movie. Um, it is meant to, it is meant to be meant to be cheesy, uh, given the given the dialogue previous with Halle Berry, Madonna, Rose, Rosamund Pike, uh, and then even that even that surfing scene like that is that is again fitting into what previous Bond actors um, have done before. Um, my scene uh, does not have that flow. It doesn't have doesn't have the pace. Uh, it's hindered by a by, by a really bad Denise Richards. Uh, Pierce Brosnan has to carry the entire thing, uh, and the and the kill shot is is bland and has been done in like basically every other '90s action movie. I can see my time. All right, and Tanner, you have one minute from whenever you start talking. All right, I can concede the point that um, the sun the sun laser scene is very much it's very fitting for the Bond brand and that it is very enjoyable in its goofiness. However, I however in terms of the question, I don't think the question is whether or not it fits with Bond and whether or not it's a good action scene. I don't see a guy just racing across the ice in a car as an action scene. It's just driving. Uh, meanwhile the final fight with Renard is actually an action scene. Stuff is going on. The stakes are actually high, not just whether or not too much ice melts and he falls through. He's still going to make it. He's Bond. But with the final confrontation, there's both emotional stakes with Renard and Electra's relationship, however well, good or bad it was performed, and also the fact that it's the final scene, so that's where it the action really hits, and of course, Bond finishes off in his signature stylish way. Time. All right, thank you guys. Uh, judges are all going to write our uh, winners on our board, and then we will go to each of the judges. Oh, I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> Too busy timekeeping. <laughs> Are we ready? Yeah. All right. I'll go first. Um, I think it was a, a, a decent debate from both players. Um, I think that uh, I will say right up front, I did go with Brooklyn. Um, I think that uh, Tanner almost turned me at the end. We talked about how, you know, his is at least actually an action scene, you know, not only with the stakes now, but things are actually happening. There's actually a battle with another person, things like that. So he really almost turned me at the end. But I think that throughout the debate, there was a little bit too much of, 
uh, he kind of helped support Brooklyn's argument. He would concede points to him and he'd say, you know, I agree with you on this about yours, things like that. And so he kind of gave too much away to Brooklyn. So I, I voted for Brooklyn. Um, Thomas. Yeah, uh, I also went with Brooklyn probably for a lot of, of the reasons. Um, same with you, Brian. I think there was a lot of conceding on both sides that hurt both of their arguments. Tanner did a good job at the end of almost bringing me over to his side with the fact that it, that, that his is less of an action sequence and more of an extended car chase on ice. But I think there was a big missed opportunity to not mention the visual effects, the comparison of the visual effects. That is something uh, that I think would have helped strengthen his argument. The effects in that sequence are probably bottom of the barrel in terms of Bond, whereas the scene with Renard is underwater in close quarters, not many special effects needed. So ultimately, I went with Brooklyn because of that. Okay, Andrew. Uh, yeah, I also had Brooklyn. Um, I think that while Tanner had a really strong closing, uh, Brooklyn kind of argued better why his fit the Bond atmosphere, the Bond tone, uh, and why it was more effective. So, uh, yeah, that's why I would have given it to Brooklyn. Okay. So Brooklyn gets the point for the first round. I get one zero in his favor. We're going to move on to the second category, which was uh, Brooklyn's movie war zone choice of actors and actresses. Uh, so he will open first and close last. Uh, the question here is what is the best Mike Myers performance? Uh, as I said, Brooklyn, you will open first one minute from whenever you start talking after we're off screen. Um, so I chose Austin Powers, uh, an international man of mystery. Um, this is a love letter to spy movies, to Bond movies, like we previously talked about, uh, as well as those those Beatlesque movies of just this like international celebrity being being chased around. Um, this pokes fun um, at those at those tropes, but also corrects uh, corrects some things in that. Um, this is a uh, this is a performance that benefits from a script being written by Mike Mike Myers as well. He just he works best with his own material, um, and this is uh, this is the movie that ultimately kind of put him into uh, into stardom. Um, he has enough of a charisma, he has enough of a charm, but he also has that silliness that you get from those uh, from those like British Beatlesque movies. Um, I can see my time. We briefly saw Andrew there. All right, uh, Tanner, once I'm off screen, one minute from whenever you start talking. All right, so I think my pick is definitely Mike Myers as the cat in the, cat in the hat. Um, I mostly just picked this because looking back on it, I con consistently laugh at all my favorite parts. Also, um, it gives him, because it's such a cartoonish character, it gives him so much range as far as varieties of different characters. He can play different accents, different voices, and just sheer balls to the wall, physical comedy, especially in, especially on the cat's part, just because there's so much they can do with special with the practical effects and it was, and plus with a decently written script definitely allowed him to um, really flex his comedic muscles. And I thought it was very entertaining. Concedes. All right. Uh, five minute freeform starts whenever one of you starts talking. Okay. So as a Canadian, I love Mike Myers, but God damn it. This is the downfall of, of, <laughs> of his, of his career. Uh, the cat and a half, his performance is just a, a disservice uh, to the character. Like, especially when you're coming off like Jim Carrey and have the Grinch soul Christmas and how much of, of a faithful annotation that is and how we kind of hyper, hyper extend some of those characteristic values. Um, he turns the cat and a half into something gross. Uh, like he had, he picks up like a little bit of steam at the end. Um, but like there's lines, like you pay this woman to sit on babies. That's disgusting. I do it for nothing. Like, like that's just not necessary. Um, it's not, it doesn't have that like a whimsical kind of charm that we remember from Cat in the Hat. Instead, it's just, it's tropes that he ultimately takes from like Fat Bastard, uh, and the next two Austin Powers movies and he just kind of carries those over. Well, uh, as far as the, as far as the writing of the jokes, I personally found jokes like that very funny because it allowed, allowed Mike Myers to do something very unique with his character because unfortunately, other than the exceptions of like Jim Carrey as as the Grinch who stole Christmas, Dr. Seuss has a very terrible track record of movie adaptations, at least. So especially with how 
little detail you get from how the books are structured because they're kids' books. Their their main thing is their style and they rhyme a lot with nonsensical words. So so long as you keep those things, you're usually fine, even though it doesn't lead to good movies. But the fact that Mike Myers, simply by changing a hat and slight changes of costume, can create so many different characters all in one movie and have me laugh at every single one of them, I think that just shows how strong of an actor he is, even with a subpar script. It, it, may, it may have you laughing, but even by your own accord, the best things in the movie aren't necessarily Mike Myers. Like you were talking about like the practical, the practical effects and like, and like the set, the set design, that isn't, that isn't Mike Myers. Um, we'll talk about like Austin, like talk about Austin Powers for a second. Um, and like his character is, is funny, but also responsible. Cause like one of the, one of the bad tropes from like those early James Bond movies was kind of like, how he was a bit misogynistic and like very forward in his advances, but they actually take time to correct that. It's like, like he, he admittedly stops, like stops advancing on a woman. He's like, no, 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 like you're drunk. Like this is like, this is not okay. Which is definitely a callback like to those, to those kind of, kind of bad tropes. Um, with, with, with the cat in the hat, like you talked about all these, all these different characters, but they're all kind of like iterations, iterations of fat bastard. Like ultimately your quote unquote funniest scene is the one that he, cuts his tail off and they, they have like that curse kind of quick take which yeah. again is not it's that's not the cat in the hat that isn't rhyming or anything that's just trying to get a cheap trying to get a cheap like adult laugh that ultimately your kids are going to ask like oh what was he actually trying to say okay as far as far as um austin powers and whether or not he pokes fun of or simply embraces the the archetypes that he is meant to represent especially with international man of mystery spies and super celebrities as the movie goes on and on yes he becomes more likable as it goes like you said eventually he stops being so misogynistic and tail chasing but from the start it he's very much just like i'm a spy but i'm also a complete moron and also uh I can't remember which Austin Powers one it is, but the one where at the very start, he's just like, oh, Japanese twins. That's Austin Powers and Goldmember. That's not a movie okay. that we're talking about. My apologies. Um, will, that's okay. Um, I'll bring up the physical comedy aspect that we're talking about. Um, how my scene, how my movie opens is with him being D, him being D thawed. That, uh, that P scene is, is great. Urination complete. Urination complete. And it just, and then when it goes to, um, and it goes to the like the whole uh, Swedish penis pump, pumping enlargement thing. That's another kind of like satirical look at it because like mm -hmm. these agents are meant to be kind of like studs, uh, but uh, it kind of pokes fun to like at like imp impotence and like it kind of grounds kind of grounds him in a way. Um, yeah, the cat the cat in the hat again is just it's it doesn't it doesn't fit the overall theme of of Dr. Seuss and what, and what they were doing. Um, he does pick up like a little bit of steam on the end, but it's, but, but it's too late. Um, he doesn't only, show a lot of respect to the characters. He's meant to be reckless. The only thing I'd argue with the scene you just brought up as the urination complete, that's very much another script thing going with your argument from uh, earlier about acting versus script. All right, uh, so we're going to do closings. Uh, Tanner, you're going to close first on this one. Again, one minute from when you start talking. All right, so so I picked Cat in the Hat because I thought it gave him a very large range of both impressions and characters that he can that he can do, cartoonish levels of physical comedy, and as far as whether or not he embodies the the Cat in the Hat, I don't really think that's necessarily what you need to judge when you're judging a performance. It's whether or not you can make it enjoyable. That's, that's in my opinion, the main part. Austin Powers is enjoyable, but I don't think, I don't think it gives Mike Myers as much opportunity to show his variability in performance and just how many different things he can do with a character. The entire movie is Austin Powers being Austin Powers. The Cat in the Hat is just a complete ball of chaos, and it is very enjoyable 
up until the very end. So I can see. Okay. Can see in those two seconds of time. Uh, Brooklyn, one minute from when you start talking. Uh, judges, I will remind you that uh, before the movie was released, uh, they had greenlit a sequel, uh, and then the widow of Dr. Seuss was like, nope, this movie is so bad that we're not doing any live, any more live-action adaptations of my uh, of my late husband's work. Um, he, my opponent talks about the range of characters that he does. Uh, those are all different flavors of the same fat bastard sandwich. Uh, the physical comedy that he does uh, is... Is, is rough in trying to get a quick little curse take. Um, and ultimately that physical comedy is dependent upon the set design. Um, Austin Powers pokes fun at things that we have already come to love. It is one of the best, one of the best spoof movies. Uh, it has, uh, it has really nice time to breathe. Uh, like even like they make a whole bit out of like Burt Bacharach coming in, coming into play. Uh, it's an incredible fish out of water style movie. Um, and it's one that has set the archetype for just really silly characters. I can see my time. Okay. Well, five seconds. Oh, I have to go first on this one. Yes, you will. No. I also lost my eraser, so this may take a little time. You know, you have these things called hands. I'm not getting those dirty. That's what Cody's for. Hey, Brian, can you repeat the uh, the actual question? The actual question was in the category of actors and actresses, what is the best Mike Myers performance? Okay. Ready? Yeah. Thomas, you ready? Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Andrew, you went last last time, so we'll let you go first this time. Son of a bitch. Uh, all right, this was actually pretty close. Um, I think both players started to talk a little bit more about their movies than their performances. Um, but I think if one person was able to knock down the other person's performance a little bit more, I think Brooklyn did a better job at knocking down Tanner's uh, argument of the performance. So I think offensive play was much better than the defensive play here, but I think Brooklyn took that. All right. Um, you know, I think especially in the early parts of the of the debate, I think that uh, Tanner uh, actually did a stronger job because he was talking about uh, despite, you know, how bad you might think the script is, how uh, Mike Myers was able to like, you know, have a large range performance, things like that. And Brooklyn got a little bit into, you know, how they changed, he was able to address and change like some of the misogyny and things that was making fun of, which is more about the writing or about the movie, like you talked about, Andrew, than the, than the performance. Uh, although I do feel like in the second half of the debate, I think Brooklyn, especially in his closing as well, kind of came back and, and more addressed the performance of it. Uh, although I do take issue with the fact that he's saying that, you know, Kenton had his just playing off the fat bastard thing over and over again, because even fat bastard is, he'd already done that thing in, so I married an ex-murderer and as an Allen. Mike Myers does a lot of the same things over and over. Let's just say that. Um, but, but I did end up going with Brooklyn uh, in the end. Uh, Thomas, your vote's not going to count this time, but what would you what would you vote? Yeah, it, it was super close, but I went Brooklyn primarily for the same reasons um, that Barr said. I think in the end, Brooklyn was able to knock down the cat in the hat performance a lot better. Um, I think both players definitely got away from the question as the debate went on, but I think Brooklyn was able to recover a bit better and focus on why... Cat in the Hat was a much worse performance uh, in relation to um, uh, international man mystery. All right. So that does bring us uh, Brooklyn up to a lead of two to zero. Uh, so Tanner does need to hit this one. He needs to win this category, which is uh, his choice in movie war zone of action adventure. And the question is what action film would benefit most from a remake? Uh, Tanner, you're going to open first. You have one minute from when they, you start talking. All right, I think the I think the action movie that would most benefit from a from a remake today would definitely be the one starring Jet Li. 
Um, I mostly think this because it, the story is very relevant, at least to current movies that are being brought out, especially since we have things like uh, the MCU, uh, the Spider-Verse, Spider everything everywhere all at once. It Multiverse stories in film are starting to get more and more popular, and this provides a very unique way of looking at it. And also, um, even though it may not be Jet Li, we still have a very large variety of new action stars nowadays, especially martial, art, martial arts actors who can bring the role a very unique twist. And I just think it's that mix of the timeliness of it, um, the variety of actors we now have available, and also um, it would definitely benefit a lot with updated special effects because as is, the original movie suffers from having special effects equivalent to uh, Terminator 2. Okay, Brooklyn, give us your opening one minute from when you start talking. Um, so the movie that I chose was Hancock. Um, Hancock is a movie that was made basically 14 years too early. Uh, it came out in 2008 uh, when a lot of superhero movies were ironically picking up steam. Um, but this would cover kind of the overall frustration and the fatigue uh, of the superhero genre. Um, a community that's reluctant to have him to begin with uh, due to the recklessness that he ultimately has while he's performing. Um, instead of veering off uh, to the Charlie's Theron subplot of There's Another, um, this is the opportune time to answer uh, some questions brought on by, by recent events, um, like how would a hero operate during a pandemic? Uh, what happens if a community just begins to revolt because of because of those actions? Um, there's a lot more. There's a lot more that can be done, and especially with like with the MCU getting into Phase Six, uh, the DC DC pressing the reboot button pretty well every three years. Um, there's there, This is the opportune time to really cover superhero fatigue, but also cover some of the mental health issues uh, that could come with being being a superhero. Um, I can see my time. Cool. It's cool, apparently. All right, so a uh, five-minute freeform from whenever one of you starts talking. Um, right. So I'm really sorry, but uh, your your movie got made a couple years ago. Uh, it's called called Gemini Man. Uh, stars Will Smith, directed by Robert Zemeckis. They tried to do that like that clone that clone thing again. Um, it's just it's just not gonna work. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have that draw, and there uh, like there isn't anybody that's like in Jet Li's level of charisma that like where he needs to take on himself because that was based on him taking on everybody else, and it's like, well, who who do we have in face? himself they tried that it's it's not going to work uh the only thing i'd are the only thing i'd argue about saying that gem it's basically just gemini man is that gemini man is a clone story and it's also about hired killers and soldiers meanwhile the one is something a lot similar to things like the things like highlander or what i brought up earlier every everything everywhere all at once it's very much a story that's been done before but i definitely think it has potential to be brought back in a in its interesting rendition of that story because with the mcu it's just here are different versions of the character and they're talking to they're just doing stuff side by side and meanwhile with things like highlander and the one it's more like okay how do these two characters differ fundamentally rather than just like here's superman here's superman but slightly evil it it allows you to change it up a little bit in order to combat said fatigue meanwhile i understand um how hancock could could be used to help understand superhero fatigue however we're also at a point where we're seeing a lot of movies and shows that are rather than going through fatigue are more going through a superhero cynicism phase, for lack of a better term, with things like The Boys, with things like The Boys, Invincible in a certain way. But anyway, sorry. Okay, so first thing, Boys and Invincible does not does not count here. This is uh, this is movies only. Um, you were talking about uh, like how the multiversal stuff kind of plays. Like you're putting you're put you're putting that movie on a pedestal with the old like the movies that you were talking about. Not not necessarily um, not necessarily up against up against Hancock. Um, 
Hancock could bring up bring up a lot of bring up a lot of things. Like it hasn't like they've brought up it up a little bit in, in, in Iron Man three and how how it can have have a toll on you. But um, it could you could really uh, you could really have this like this grounded sort of antihero that they've tried to do with things like things like like Punisher almost, um, but a much more much more relatable. Um, you could have you could have somebody that uh, that is hated. Uh, like you you could recreate that asshole scene, but have it be like he's called like a social justice warrior or some something where it's where like there's that there's you can kind of update the script in that sense. Um, I think one of the things about the one that doesn't necessarily uh, that can't be like redone with it is that it was very much a two thousand one metal movie. Like the soundtrack in that is great, um, and me- metal music right now just isn't booming enough for that to make sense. You would kind of have to, you would kind of have to change it, change it from that from that dark sort of brooding tune to um, a much more either brighter t- brighter tone or an entirely different genre of music overall. Mm-hmm. Well, not. Ne- well, we're mostly talking about a remake here, not just a one-for-one recreation. So you can make changes to both the story and the tone in order to make do with the kind of music that's popular at the time or whatever you want to use. And also, you just brought up The Punisher. Like you said, this is movies, not not shows. That's Netflix. Pun- Punisher, I understand Punisher, how that's... Had, Punisher has had a couple of movies, though. Punisher Warzone. Yes, movie. but... Also, those were not great movies either. <laughs> they're, still, they're, still, they're still movies, though. That could be re- that could be redone with a nice Daredevil movie, movie too. <laughs> All right. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. There you go. But, yeah. Uh, okay. Um. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um. The one like the that like that that Highlander thing you were talking about has like has been parodied really well in Robot Chicken. Um, so I feel like the, a lot of this audience today would just go back to being like, "Oh yeah, I remember when Lindsay Lohan uh, killed killed everybody, thinking that she was thinking that she was the one." Um, that that trope has become has become very cliche. Whereas like the superhero fatigue, um, there's more angles to to be brought about as opposed to like as opposed to what we got in the original movie, where this guy was just a douche for the sake of being a douche. Um, there wasn't really any delving as to why he didn't like the community. Uh, there wasn't. Re- there was much more to be fleshed out. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. There's only two, two seconds left. I don't... One. Okay. So it's that awkward moment of there's not really enough time to say yeah. anything. <laughs> right. uh, so we're going to go into our closings. Uh, Brooklyn, you are going to close first. One minute from when you start speaking. Uh, the one would not benefit from a remake uh, because these are tropes that have been tried tried already. Uh, he he did mention he did mention everything everywhere all at once, um, but ultimately this would fall similar to Gemini Man, whereas like whereas the climax of the one is him him fighting himself. It's it's introduced very early on in the movie. Call it clones, call it multiverse. It's still it's still that era of of science fiction. Um, Hancock benefits benefits essentially from a remake uh, because it takes out the takes out the, the subplot of the story that that does that doesn't make sense. Um, we can focus on how and how a hero would interact with a possibly troubled community and uh, and how they might interact with him and the damage that he has caused doing these doing these various actions. Um, that's a movie that can be movie that can be talked about and especially in a world of disease, uh, there is much more angles to be approached. One. Okay. All right. And Tanner, you're closing one minute when you start talking. All right. So I believe the one can benefit from a remake because the reasons I listed earlier, updated effects, new cast, and you can work at the story from a different angle. It Obviously, we have plenty of movies that use a similar story structure what with multiverse everything everywhere all at once this this story format can still work it is still popular in a sense as far as um using superheroes to do political commentary or societal commentary seeing how superheroes would be would react with regular people is also something we've been seeing a lot of in recent years especially from the mcu and with their related series, especially near Infinity War and Endgame, where we have to see more of the fallout from the snap and other things like that. So 
as far as as far as action, again, I think there are a lot of good actors. Donnie Yen's a little old, but I think there are definitely a bunch of new up and comers who could fill the role perfectly for the one time. Love that stuff. <laughs> okay, uh, Thomas, you're gonna go first this time. Yeah. Um, so for this one, I went Brooklyn. I think for the simple fact that from the jump, he was playing offense and was forcing Tanner to play defense on on a lot of his points. He's a little bit more aggressive in talking about why the one wouldn't be as good of an adaptation or wouldn't work as a remake as well as, as Hancock did. He really didn't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about his own movie. He was able to perfectly articulate why the one wouldn't, would not succeed as a remake today. Kind of, you know, doing a great job of deflecting all of Tanner's points. And again, like I said, making him play defense for the majority of the debate. I think Tanner did a good job at the end with his closing statement, trying to, you know, get it back. But unfortunately, I think he just lost too much in the actual five minutes of eight portion. Um, so I, uh, this one, I went with, with Brooklyn. Okay. Andrew. I actually went with Tanner on this one. I think Tanner played defense actually pretty well. Um, there were a couple times where Brooklyn would bring up an argument that Tanner had like a good response. Um, and I think that he brought up a really good point of how right now is the best time for this particular movie because of everything else that's going on. Um, and I think Brooklyn, I think they both, this is their best debate, both of them, this entire match so far. I think Tanner just eat this one out with just enough defense. All right. Um, you know, I agree. I think this was the best, uh, the best debate. I think this was the closest one as far as, as far as, you know, trying to pick a winner. Um, right till the end there, I was still kind of going back and forth. Um, I think, for me, uh, you know, Tanner did a really good job of uh, of explaining, you know, why because currently the multiverse thing being trendy and how just in the years since then there's lots of advanced special effects things like that. How it could be made as a better movie. Um, Brooklyn though took a different approach of more uh, plot wise, like how his movie could kind of be updated to today and kind of have some commentary and things about this, uh, you know, the pandemic and and people's uh, reaction to superheroes things like that. Uh, in the end, I did end up going with Brooklyn. So uh, Brooklyn gets the point, and that means that your and your winner, uh, by way of knockout, is Brooklyn Vale. Uh, congratulations, Brooklyn. We are going to go into some post-match interviews, starting with our unfortunate second place. Oh, I uh, forgot about that. Tanner. <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, Tanner, um, you know, you're, you're new here, so kind of new to the format, kind of getting to know it. Uh, I think that you actually did a great job for a, for a first time debater, um, just kind of getting to know how things work and kind of getting a feel for, for, uh, how things are done here. Um, how did you feel about your performance today? Uh, I definitely have to agree with the, uh, critiques you guys have had throughout where I've just, I let myself be far too defensive with it and that definitely cost me a lot as far as whether or not I could have won a point or so point or two, but all in all, very enjoyable. Had a lot of fun talking about this. So you feel yeah. like you want to come back again sometime and, and debate, uh, schedule permitting. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> very fun. Yeah. Well, I, I think, like you said, you can learn a lot just from, from listening to, to critiques and also from watching the debaters, you learn a lot uh, on the uh, best way to do it. Um, let's go over then to Brooklyn. Brooklyn, you pulled out a win today, um, uh, a knockout win today. Uh, how do you feel about your performance? Uh, I feel really good. I changed up my changed up my style a little bit. Uh, just try to go in a little more prepared with like op with like opening and closing. I tend to my previous run, I tended to go a lot from like like from a, an emotional based perspective, and I feel like that's where I was able to kind of be take like taken advantage of in terms of in terms of point getting and whatnot um but uh i was excited uh tanner kind of kept me kept me on my toes uh, especially with the cat and hat answer wasn't sure what the fuck he was gonna throw out there um but uh like great like great job um i like the 
I like the angle that he took with uh, with with the one. That was one I wasn't really kind of wasn't really kind of expecting. And like I was like, if if he gets the point, like that's like I, I definitely definitely understand. Um, but yeah, I am uh, I'm ready to take my place as the uh, as the eventual fan zone champion. I will agree. When I saw his cat in the hat pick, I was like, how is he going to argue this? But it surprisingly actually made a good case for it. Um, so I'm told your next opponent will be the winner of Chadwick Webb versus Bill Cariola. Do you have any thoughts on that? Please, Chadwick. Please, Chadwick. I would really <laughs> like for you to win. Um, I would rather not have to debate Bill. Uh, I, I, I met Bill recently. Um, Bill makes me laugh at the at the worst moments, so I can only imagine how he would do uh, in, a, in a debate. I might <laughs> even break. I might even break glass uh, in fear, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, and, the, and the bigger fear is that like, what kind of weird stuff is he going to make you watch to to argue against it? Um, <laughs> but so yeah, so we'll be seeing you back in 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 uh, fan zone pretty soon. Uh, so with that, let's go to our closing statements from our other judges. Uh, Thomas, any closing thoughts? Yeah, despite the three zero victory, it was a lot closer, especially the last two uh, topics that I think you know, the, the, the scoreboard would say. I think Tanner did a really good job, especially in his closing argument of fortifying his points. But I think in the end, it just came down to who was the more aggressive person who was on offense the majority of the time. Brooklyn kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing against Tanner's points. I think ultimately that's what gave him the upper hand in each and every one of them. Um, but hey, this is, you know, this is, you know, a, 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 a first time thing for, for, for Tanner. I, you know, I think he'll be back with a, a vengeance will be back even better and Brooklyn's got a lot of confidence in him. So we'll see how he does uh, in his next match. And uh, if it's him and bill, that is uh that is prime time viewing. Andrew. Uh, yeah. So uh, Brooklyn showing why he was well-renowned when uh, the last time he played um, definitely landed on his feet. Uh, not a lot of ring rust there. Um, Tanner getting better and better with every round so he's definitely someone that i think will definitely improve and get better over time uh to the point where i definitely think that he will be a strong competitor but once again brooklyn just showing why he's one of the best around i agree um so that's going to do it for us today here at fan zone um i would like to uh thank thomas scully thank andrew barr Thank our competitors, Tanner Hansen and Brooklyn Vale. Uh, thank you for putting up with my uh, uh, janky, awkward substitute hosting. Uh, thank you, Andrew, for, for hosting the stream and running the time. And we'll see you next time on Fan Zone. Roll that. There we go. Thank you very much. Please come again. We have a lot more groceries.